Hi, welcome to the Future of Dermatology podcast. We're so excited today to have Dr. Sarah Aaron. Thank you so much, Sarah, for joining. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited today because she is just such an expert and is going to tell us about non-invasive skin imaging. And there's a lot of new technology coming out, out in dermatology in general um, in lots of different fields. But I feel like this is one that a lot of us might not know the nitty gritty. So we really appreciate you being here to discuss it. Um, before we get into the heavy duty of it, I would love to actually, if you have a few minutes, just to share with us your background, what you're doing now as little or as much as you like to share. Sure. Um, so my background is in dermatology. Um, I'm a dermatologist and a Mohs micrographic surgeon. And I've had an interest in research since my PhD years. And we had a large laser center there. And of course, dermatologists in the community often use lasers. The newest branch of lasers is the use of lasers for non-invasive imaging. And so while I was at UCSF, I was involved in a group called the Rosenman Institute, which is an incubator for novel ideas and was hooked up with an outstanding engineer named Gabriel Sanchez, who was just in the early stages of founding a company which would become Inspectra Health. So for the past six or seven years, I've been first a consultant and then an investigator working hand in hand with the bioengineers in Dr. Sanchez's group and really excited to talk about our system and non-invasive imaging in general. That's so exciting. That's so great. So at, at UCSF, they're like these little incubators where you're not only doing the research, but you can kind of spin off also going into companies and things like that. And that seems to be pretty, um, uh, uh, what's the right word for it? Basically encouraged and held. Like there's there's ways for, for like avenues for, for the PhDs to do that. I think it's it's really incredible that in the Bay Area, um, so I live like you, I live in um, in Northern California and in the Bay Area, there is so much innovation and industry and UCSF and Stanford and other organizations are really terrific at partnering um, with industry, both in drug development, in device development. Um, after I left the university in um, 2000, I actually worked for a while at a um, device development company, um, a biotech company called Rocketon Medical, where I was actively engaged in testing and developing um, laser devices for the skin and for treatment of cancer. And so even though now I'm back in private practice, because my first love, of course, is with patients, I do feel like walking that boundary between engineering, patient care, kind of speaking the language of both has really been a treat for me for learning and hopefully for advancing our field. Yeah, no, you are like speaking our language here at the Future Dermatology podcast because a lot of our prior um, discussions have been about this too, is how the physician who has the background in engineering and um, the technical ability is able to build tools that are so much more targeted and uh, basically get to the problem early. We've talked about it in terms of like health tech and like the technology devices, but the laser tech and all of this is actually, I think, I don't think we've talked about that on this and these shows yet. So it's so cool that we have your 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 expertise on it. Um, and I think the concept of the physician engineer combo, I think more of that needs to come out. We've, we've seen like the physician MBA, we've seen even a couple of like physician uh, lawyers. I don't know how they do that. They do like a lot of that. But the physician engineering combo, especially here in Silicon Valley, we, we definitely see where that combination, like those are the group of people that are going to do really cool things. 
but yes, I'd love to yeah, kind of hear about the specifics of kind of um, what you guys have developed and things you've been working on. Absolutely. Um, so the broader field that I've been working on is called non-invasive imaging. And so in dermatology, one of the things that's very common is we see a patient, we look at their skin, we perhaps make a clinical diagnosis, but sometimes we're not quite sure what's going on underneath the surface. And um, we have tools for investigating the skin. So the one that we're you know, most familiar with is the skin biopsy, where we numb up the patient, we take a little piece of tissue, and we send it to our colleagues in pathology, and they look under the microscope at that tissue um, to make a diagnosis or to make a description of the inflammatory process that's going on. And that helps us in making our clinical diagnosis and our treatment plan. And there are other um, other methods for looking at skin that have been used in the research world for many, many years. So one that some of your listeners may be familiar with is something called tape stripping, where you put an adhesive on the surface of the skin and you just take off the outer layers. And over the years, that's been used to measure water loss. It's now being used to capture RNA for biologic testing. Um, and, and the benefit of that, of course, is it it's non-invasive. It's much lower risk. There's no scar. There's no stitches, um, no procedure for the patient. So in this arena, something that's really captured, I think, the imagination of engineers and physicians is the idea that we might be able to use optical imaging devices to see deeper than the surface of the skin. And you could expand that conceptually from the dermatoscope that we use in clinic where we're able to see enlarged and potentially cross-polarized light to see kind of what's going on in those outer structures. And then in more recent times, people have started to use laser light to look into the skin and to capture an image through that tissue um, without actually doing a physical biopsy or injuring the patient. In that world, um, an area that's been used for many years and is, is fairly well characterized is something called reflectance confocal microscopy. And RCM is widely used in Europe. It's used at certain very specialized centers in the United States, um, predominantly for looking at pigment in tissue and characterizing melanomas, but can also be used for diagnosing um, other skin tumors, um, can be used for looking at the skin's surface and seeing the impact of treatments. And, and reflectance confocal has been, I think, well-validated. The challenges with RCM are, number one, that the devices are very large and very expensive. And number two, that they require a lot of expertise to read that isn't taught in general dermatology um, training. It's not, it's not part of our usual um, training process. And so it's not intuitive to a dermatologist to learn and pick up. There's a big barrier to entry. And when I was originally working with um, Inspectra Health, one of the needs that we looked at, that we were assessing is, is it possible to make these devices smaller? Is it possible to make them more accessible to the everyday physician? And is it possible to make them more intuitive to learn so that there isn't that barrier to interpretation? Right. And right. over many years and many iterations, um, what they developed was actually a combination um, of microscopes in a handheld device. 
So it's not just reflectance confocal microscopy, it's actually multi-photon microscopy. So now we're able to image the skin in multiple channels. We're able to look at both structures, but also biologic activity of the skin tissue. Or like you're just describing the future of dermatology, right? It's exciting. It's really exciting. It's much higher resolution um, because the multi-photon gives you just really crisp images. Um, and then we have the reflectance confocal with it, which enhances the multi-photon image as well as providing all of that information that we traditionally receive from RCM. And then the part that I am, I am most excited about is people who've looked at RCM images know it doesn't image in cross-section the way we're used to seeing when we look at a tissue biopsy or a pathology slide. It images horizontally. So think of it as the difference between a stack of pancakes and a slice of bread. We're not trained to read pathology like pancakes. And that's how RCM does it. Well, Inspector developed a system called the VIO system, which actually reads in cross-section. So for dermatologists, it's significantly more intuitive to train and to read. Yeah, and it's all about the time to adoption, right? If it's too hard, technology just kind of dies, <laughs> unfortunately. So I, I see myself as the end user, right? I'm the person who wants this device. And of course, over many years, the company has consulted with lots of dermatologists and done you know huge amount of research into optimizing the system. And we were very excited this summer to run the pivotal trial um, of the VIO device. And the system itself was approved by the FDA just, uh, just around New Year of this year, 2024. It's the first multi-photon skin imaging device approved in the U.S. And we're really excited about that. Gosh, that is really exciting. And then the pivotal trials, was it, so it was like, was it out in the dermatology practice? Yes. And um, I'm assuming it was just used for things that were probably going to be biopsy. You got it. So so this was a multi-center study. Um, the goals of the pivotal trial for the first phase of FDA clearance, because technically devices are cleared, they don't go through the same approval process as, as drugs do. Um, the, the goals were to be able to um, effectively identify normal and abnormal skin structures in the context of healthy and diseased skin. So just like a dermatoscope, you look, you gain information. It's not rendering a diagnosis. The physician uses it as an adjunct to their own clinical practice. And so patients were enrolled who were um, seen in, in clinic. There was, there, it's a multi-center study. Patients were seen in clinic. They had a site that was going to be biopsied. They agreed to be imaged prior to biopsy. And then we actually looked at the image tissue and the biopsy, the, the ground truth or the gold standard, um, to achieve number one, could we correlate our findings on microscopy with the biopsy tissue? And we found, yes, we could. And the second thing that we did was to create a set of annotated images for blinded dermatologists um, and pathologists to read. And we tested that we were actually able to teach and train six blinded dermatologists how to read these images. And the physicians in the study were able to identify these features, so collagen, 
pigment, um, the stratum corneum, a hair follicle, you know, epidermal atypia. They were able to identify these features with over 90% accuracy. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. How long did it take just the regular dermatologist, not like your dermatologist, PhD, blah, blah, blah. Let's take a normal <laughs> How long did it take them to kind of get gain that skill set? So I will say I've been reading these images as the device has been developed. And so you're extremely just the high echelon of dermatologists. Right. Let's go back to the regular. Now, first of all, <laughs> the device is intended for use among somebody who is familiar and comfortable reading standard H&E pathology, right? And there's a lot of learning and training that goes into that. Um, the investigators in the study um, were selected, the readers were selected to have at least some experience beyond general dermatology, at least some experience in either Mohs surgery or dermatopathology or um, non-invasive imaging, because there are people who read reflectance confocal, helps to have, and of course, all board-certified dermatologists have a ton of derm path. They've been, most, probably that huge of a curve, but this was done with people who are, maybe are looking at slides a little bit more closely every day. Correct, correct. Now, I do think it can easily be extrapolated to the general dermatologist. It hasn't been used in that setting. Um, but I think, you know, from what I know of my colleagues and the incredible training that you get just for board certification in dermatology, I think somebody with an interest could easily train on this. The actual training for the trial was two sessions. Oh, my gosh. We set up six standardized modules over two sessions, two days. Wow, that's incredible. And, of course... As the device now starts to mature and be utilized in lots of different clinical settings, I think we're going to learn much more about nuanced, you know, new structures and structures in specific clinical settings. So I think the physicians now with this tool are really going to expand its use. Fun thing, right? When something gets out there and then all the fun things you can do, like one of the things I'm even thinking about is, do you think you can um, somewhat uh, quantify like how much collagen is in the skin? Like if you're doing a pre-laser, after-laser, do you think something like that is doable? I think it's absolutely doable. That's something I'm very curious about. Um, obviously, when we talk about non-invasive imaging in the dermatology world, the two places our minds go most readily are... Um, you know, biopsies for cancer or benign lesional diagnosis. Um, and so like a dermatoscope, this might be a helpful adjunct for a physician trying to decide whether to biopsy. Um, it's not going to take the place of H&E pathology, at least not in the short term. Um, but that's kind of one sphere. The other sphere is really in the aesthetic dermatology world. So for example, pre and post a laser treatment or, um, you know, simply looking at, you know, pre and post topical interventions, I think it would be very helpful. Collagen reads beautifully on multi-photon and, and reflectance confocal. It, it's, it's just, it's a stunning, a stunning thing to look at. And it's, it's almost everybody's favorite thing because it has its own channel on the um, SHG, the short harmonic. I'm not going to go physics on you, I promise. <laughs> But the collagen is actually beautiful to read. And in fact, in my own experience, I have seen tissue from 
images from young people, children, and very, very elderly. And you can absolutely see solar elastosis. You can see those strong collagen fibrils breaking down, becoming, you know, fluffy, the elastin degenerating. And um, we, I had an abstract at the ASDS where we talked about um, uh, machine learning to actually quantify things like age, chronoaging based on overall images. So I think, I think these are directions that we can go with more research that are really exciting. It's really exciting because I think I remember like maybe this was years ago now at the first time, maybe it was even a residency here about gonfalpal microscopy. And it was always in that like, is it going to replace a dermatologist in terms of, you know, diagnosing a melanoma? But now it's really shifting away from that. And sure, you can use it in all, there's, there, there's your handful of patients where you're just like, you either have 50 melanomas right now and I'm looking at you or you don't. And that, in that patient, that's probably actually extremely helpful. But for every other patient, if something looks bad, you're just going to biopsy it. But then when you start thinking about all these other use cases, it's like endless. The places, It's like so fun. These are like the fun parts where your brain's just... I mean, even inflammatory skin disease and responses to therapy where you might not want to do multiple biopsies or you might want to see which area is the best to sample to give my pathologist the tissue I need. You know, I think, I think there's many potential use cases. So many use cases. And do you think like, let's say like a psoriasis plaque, could you use it to determine the level of inflammation that within the plaque? Like let's say like, because sometimes it looks like it's gone, but you're like, is it? Like let's say like an eczema laser, you're sort of like, is it gone? Do we keep going? Like, do at, you, at what point do we do we stop treatment or continue treatment? I mean, these are very, you know, with any non-invasive imaging system, these are very long range kind of big picture questions. I think the real answer is going to come from where are the unmet clinical needs? Right. Because dermatologists are well, like any physician or any human being, right? Whenever we are faced with a new technology, the immediate fear is that it will replace us. And with AI and, you know, a lot of the machine learning tools that have been talked about in the media, especially over the past couple of years, I think people are very afraid of a black box device taking over their role. And this is not that, right? This is cleared to be an adjunct to give the physician more information to evaluate as part of our diagnostic or therapeutic process. Um, and down the road, could additional studies be done, you know, like this with any, you know, like any, any, any adjuvant device, additional studies could give us additional information Right now, the real question is, what do we need, right? What do dermatologists need and what do patients need and what will motivate them? Um, there's so many areas where new tools can play a role. And now it's really up to the community to give feedback on what are the next best steps. No, absolutely. And, and it's a really good point saying, what do patients need? Because they do have lots of patients. We do. I practice in Palo Alto. We're in Silicon Valley. So we're probably seeing a very special subset of patients as well. I've had patients, they're usually on the younger side, the older patients don't ask things like this, but after a full skin exam, they're like, well, when do I go into a box or do I, is this it? It was like, yes, this, this, my eyes and the dermatoscope, that was it. That was the big move, which is, I think, adequate, more than adequate, the board star dermatologist looks, but I think patients want these tools um, for our therapies. I think we really need that. We sort of are like visually, oh yeah, your skin looks great. You've done this many things. It looks really great. So we can stop our fractal therapies now and switch to this, but we don't have really any 
Um, I mean, we can't take biopsies of, of everyone's skin like right after and either collagen. Even like our psoriasis patient, eczema patient, it, it's hard to know. Like I remember back in the day with Dr. Koo, we were doing these um, uh, the eczema trials with like minimal blistering dose or we were just sort of like, okay, well, if we just blister, like hit it so hard, we blister the plaque. Now I'm pretty sure like the T-cells are probably gone. <laughs> that air. But now I think we have these tools where we can have a little more finesse, a little more precision, um, and potentially, you know, for clinical trials, obviously having precision endpoints is really helpful because there is that wiggle room. You know, is it clear? Is it not clear? Or, you know, is it, has it been sufficiently treated? I think, you know, or follow up after things like Ephudex for actinic keratoses or, you know, these, these things where we don't rebiopsy, I think, you know, definitely a, a role there. Although I do, you know, you speak to kind of my, one of my favorite sayings, which is I have fantastic imaging devices right here in my <laughs> eyes and, and, you know, between eyes and brain, it's unparalleled finesse. Um, I think this is just, you know, it's like putting on x-ray specs. It's just giving us, giving us more. Giving us more kind of tool, tools in our toolbox. And I think a lot of derms really are, enjoy that and want things too. It's, it, we had like a, a, a talk with the UCSF residents that was giving about just the kind of the, the health tech evolution from like healthcare 1.0 in the 70s where we're like paper charts to now kind of like healthcare 5.0. But we still have some colleagues that are on paper charts <laughs> and that others who are living, majority are kind of living healthcare 2.0, 3.0. But a, a select few are really adopting like the 5.0 kind of, they want this kind of technology. They want the most advanced. Yes. Yeah. We've we've certainly seen that recently with the excitement over um, self-pay head-to-toe MRI screening, and you know, and and certainly in the Bay Area, there are people who who do want to do like Kim Kardashian and pay out of pocket for that head-to-toe MRI. There's certainly a potential for benefit. There's also potential for harm in terms of overdiagnosis and you know the the utilization for you know healthcare inequalities. Um, but I think it's really telling us that there are some patients who want to push the envelope. Um, and, and that's a place where our healthcare system and, you know, certainly insurance companies, Medicare, payers, patients, hospital systems, all of that business of medicine is also going to play a role. Um, you know, not speaking to the VIO device specifically, but certainly to any imaging study or test, you know, mammogram, for example, if that's something that can reduce invasive biopsies for women and also catch breast cancers earlier, it's a win-win for the patient, for the system, for the doctor. Yeah, it's true. There's definitely that, there's like the really excitement phase and then there's all that real world <laughs> nitty gritty things that we have to, and, and those physicians, especially in clinical practice, that's a large part of where we spend our days getting things covered. <laughs> Absolutely true. But this has been so great. Thank you so much for taking the time and teaching us about this. I think it's sort of something that we, a lot of us superficially know about, but not in this great of a detail. So Thank you so much for joining. And um, and we actually, before I forget, we always ask, since the future of dermatology podcast, we always end with, what do you think is the future of dermatology? And we've talked about that, I think, throughout. throughout. But if you were to name like one thing that you think. That's a great question. And when I give a talk on the future of medicine, I always look back to the past and I look back to um, Star Trek because I am a tremendous nerd. Um, 
you know, the Dr. McCoy could take his scanner and scan over a patient and immediately render a diagnosis. And so I would love to see the future of dermatology include some type of non-invasive scanner, potentially even in the patient's hands or the phone booth that your patient would like to step into that does the imaging, gives us that bird's eye view, and then allows us to zoom in on the clinical spot and then allows us to zoom in deeper into the surface of the skin. I think that would be just tremendously oh my gosh, cool. That is very cool. That's probably one of our best answers we've ever had. That, that would be the coolest thing to have in the future of dermatology. But thank you so much. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me.